0: Hello, and welcome to Be The Light Now Radio, on Blog Talk Radio, and I'm your host, Reverend Michael. It has been an amazing eight-year journey that we've been on together. In the last two years, I've been on hiatus, rediscovering myself, so I can continue to help you. Coming to you live from Costa Rica. It's been one heck of an adventure. We're bringing to you the best psychics, mediums, healers. You have questions, we have the answers. All is not lost. Don't give up hope. We're back, and we're here to help. Pick up the phone, give us a call. You have nothing to lose and so much more to gain. So tell your friends about us and tell your family to tune in. I've been on an amazing adventure. About to bring you on it. me. Oh, good evening, everybody. Hopefully, you all been having a wonderful weekend. I know I did. Went to um, Ed and I, as most of you have seen, we went to San Jose. It was their diversity parade, which is another way of saying gay pride parade. So it was. Really amazing, uh, but I have to learn a lesson really quick. We're 10 degrees north of the equator, and the sun is strong. As if you're looking at Facebook live video, you could see a little bit of the sun that I have. So a little bit of the sunburn um, doesn't hurt, but you know it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, you live near the equator, you're out in the sun, you need some sunscreen. So, but, uh, went in the garden and took out some aloe, took some coconut oil, blended that all together and, um, um, added some merengue oil, uh, as well. So it's all natural healing products. I just need to come up with a natural sunscreen. Somebody told me you can use coconut oil. So I don't know. Um, I'll look more into that, but, um, try to do things as chemical free as possible. I don't like having all these chemicals on me anymore. And, um, you know, we don't do prepackaged foods or anything. Everything's all uh, as organic as we can get it until we grow it ourselves here. But, um, you know, that's the uh, the joy of reconnecting with spirit and trying to do things uh, in a holistic approach. But, yeah, yesterday they were like, I think they said um, 80,000 people were there. So it started at noon and the parade ended at four. So it was a four-hour parade for people Uh a little different than in the United States and the U.S. You know, by the you go to the end of the parade and it's all these vendors and they're all trying to sell things. And, you know, there wasn't. There was just a big stage there. They did speeches. They had performers. They had singers. But there were no vendors. So it was like, wow, this is a little different. Zed's like, well, let's go check that out first and, um, you know, see what they have there for vendors. Hopefully everyone else found... Um, Over there on on Facebook Live can hear me. No audio there. Okay, let me see what's going on here. That's why I like doing these and letting everybody know. Uh, Let me see. Nope, no audio there either. Okay, hold on. Let me do this real quick. Yeah, I'm not sure why it does that, but it does. Let me go ahead and do this. We want you all to be able to hear us and my guest. So Yeah. So I was afraid of here we go. Okay. Go ahead and bring you back on there. Start a broadcast. Connect the camera. I'm gonna go do that one. There we go. hopefully they'll hear me there and they'll hear our guests. Trying to go ahead and do these videos so people can hear us um, no matter where they're calling from, and helps expand our listener base and um, our, you know, uh, our guests to go ahead and um, get the word out about their abilities, their gifts, and what they're here to help us with. So I believe I have Skype set up, there we go. Skype keeps changing where they're doing things. Same as the system. Okay, audio out that way. Okay, that should work. So please let me know if you're in uh, Facebook Live if you can hear me. I know Talk can hear me. I have it all through Skype. That's the fun part of I've got one, two, three, four, five different windows open. So trying to get everything connected uh, properly. So the um, speaker audio is working out perfect. And I'm going to bring the guest on in just a moment here. So the output. Okay. Okay, So we'll see how that goes. Yep. There we go for there. Okay. just let me know if you can hear me there on uh, Facebook live. So I'll go ahead and do that. Let me go ahead. Uh, Got an amazing guest. He was referred from um, one of my dear friends. She said, oh, you've got to have him on. So it's always interesting topic talking about um, near-death experiences and um, life after death. So while I'm working on the technical stuff, I'm going to bring him on the air with us. Let me see where he is in the queue. There we go. It's none other than Jacob Cooper. Hi.
1: Hi, Michael. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. What are you?
0: Okay. Let me see. Okay, still checking. Everyone's saying no audio. Okay. I see my mouth moving, but they're like, nothing going on. I think that's what happened when I was an actual blonde at one point. So hopefully that works. Although it says, Skype says I'm doing this, the um, sound. Okay, you can hear the guests just fine, but not me. Okay, if you can hear me, uh, Jacob, just go ahead and introduce yourself. i got to find out why I'm not being heard.
1: Yes, my- Michael, I-, I could hear you. Are you able to uh, hear my voice? jacob yes michael
0: hi okay
1: hi are you able to I'm hear Jeff. me now so
0: they, too, okay. i couldn't um, hear you at all for the reason that everyone said the audio wasn't working
1: okay yeah yeah but so hopefully you're able you to hear me now right
0: It's moving but they couldn't hear um, hear me at all mm. so how are you mm.
1: doing fantastic you know and it's uh, i was listening to your Introductory music and your, uh, you know, introduction, and it's it's an honor to be with you today, a day after, um, you know, Pride, and you know, seeing, you know, some of the advancements, you know, thrown right before our eyes when seemingly, a lot of stuff seems backwards. You know, this is very refreshing to, to be with you on uh, this evening here, and uh, you know, I, I'm so glad that the universe is, the universe uh, really. Uh, uh, put us together and made this happen it's 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 amazing yeah
0: Well, good i'm glad uh, to have you on here with me so i think they're able yeah. to hear me now as well yeah yeah
1: and um thank you all for uh reverend tiffany for uh linking for letting me know about your work and of you and your many you know areas that you you know help people out with it's just fascinating so you know thank you for having me on
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. When she suggested you, I was like, oh, I've got to have you on here because it's always an interesting uh, topic to discuss. discuss.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's wonderful, yes.
0: So uh, you've had a near-death experience. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Sure. Um, You know, before I start, you know, I was honored to... Be accepted to speak at the um, International Association for Near Death Studies in about a month and almost a week. That's going to be in Denver, That's going to be in Westminster, Colorado. Um, so it's quite a fascinating event. I know there's going to be Dr. Eben Alexander going to be there with you know a bunch of other you know authors and uh, speakers who have had powerful NDEs. So uh, if you um, you know, do hear about it, please check out the International Association for Near-Death Studies to learn a little bit more of not only my story that's going to be live-streamed in early August, but also uh, the phenomenon that's occurring with so many out there. Um, But uh, yes, you know, I I did have a powerful near-death experience, and it's really, um, you know, kind of spearheaded, you know, my drive to help. You know, clarify what what happens when we die. You know, as I work as a full-time uh, therapist and uh, I help people from the ground up, so it's not necessarily uh, metaphysical or spiritual. It's more from a psychological um, and social standpoint. But uh, you know, predominantly, so many people come in, you know, through my office or you know, just through life itself, just seemingly not having too much too many answers about what happens when we die, and that leads to a lot of, um, you know, behaviors that may, you know, jeopardize people because, you know, people just don't seemingly, you know, a lot of people struggle with with coping of the loss of a loved one, so uh, you know, this summertime I'm going to be up in Woodstock, New York, and in a couple different areas in Long Island, you know, you know, kind of hosting group presentations on clarifying the hereafter, and Helping people heal expedite uh, the bereavement process after loss, but uh, everyone has their own way of dealing with loss. And you know, there's uh, Kubler-Ross. You know, talks about a couple of different steps. But uh, you know, I'm here to offer some spiritual insight into it on this radio program. But anywho, um, you know, I began speaking about my near-death experience in the same town uh, that had occurred about 20 years later. So, uh, if you're familiar with Billy Joel, he grew up in Hicksville, Long Island. So I started speaking right to the town next to Hicksville. It's called Levittown. I opened up the Levittown Town Hall at, at a place called the Eyes of Learning, which is Long Island's, you know, one of one of Long Island's first original metaphysical meetup groups. Uh, so it was quite an honor to open up the Spring Festival, you know, April of last year, talking about my NDE. Um, you know, in regards to my NDE, it was, I was five years old in. I was running around Levittown, the same town where I spoke, and I literally had something that was i had something that was called whipping cough, which uh you know has you know since been vaccinated, but i wasn't uh, given a vaccine for it uh so you know after having whipping cough and not knowing that I had it, I was running around and I was in a park and uh, I literally suffocated i couldn't breathe in air and then you know that's when everything basically happens I was able to really Uh, tune into angels, and I had Christ consciousness, and I saw uh, relatives on the other side. I saw, um, you know, past lives that I had. I was able to go into the Hall of Records or the Akashic Records and look at, you know, many lives that I've lived, that that have uh, pertained to this one. But also I was able to not only do that, but I was able to tap into my future. And I had the option of staying or going within this lifetime, and I... I guess I chose to stay cuz I'm on the radio show right now talking about it. So, but who knows what this reality truly is. Uh, so um, but it it's it was it was a fascinating experience and um, you know, hopefully I could share within more detail if you if you if you have time. <laughs> but yeah.
0: Yeah, what was it like um being there um, cuz you said you got to see angels and other things when you had your near death experience. What was that like?
1: an interesting question um, because oftentimes people ask me. People say, "Well, you're five years old, so um, you know who were you? Were you that five-year-old, you know, in kindergarten or preschool, or were you were you Jake today? What what were you?" And the answer that I have is, I was I was in a place that was bigger than my body or my temporary number uh, on the Earth plane. Uh, but I was soul, which is in, which encapsulated a lot more than than this lifetime ever had to offer. Um, so, you know, to me, lifetimes are kind of divided. You know, they're almost like little songs on a CD, but you have hundreds and thousands of songs on them, you know, that are available at hand. We just have to, you know, be open and tune into them. But not all are as significant as, as others. Some, you know, we just had a rake and a shovel, and we were... Had mundane lives. Not all of us were Cleopatra, uh, like a lot of people think. But, um, you know, when I was on, when I was, well, first of all, you know, there's a phenomenon that occurs with the near death experience. And that's, you know, many people have many different angles and stories and stuff like that. And that makes sense because we're all unique. We're all, you know, similar while being different. But, um, you know, once you go to the other side, you enter, usually enter uh, a dark, dark, dark tunnel and enter the light, and that's exactly what happened to me. But it only occurred to me once every part of my body began shutting down. Uh, But once I was in the angelic realm, I was able to see hundreds upon thousands of angels, and I was able to see my two spiritual guides on my two sides. And the word that I would have to say is, that that would summarize it as familiar. Uh, You know, going to the other side, you forget about all these things that... um, you know that that you really come from. You know this is your natural existence. You know being on the Earth plane is a bit foreign once you really tune in. So the other side is familiar is one word that I would have to say to describe it. And once we take off the veils that happens so, of you know that block block our true spiritual awareness, we're able to tap in and recognize that hey, you know I've been here many times. This is home. This is my house, and I've walked far and I think that I've walked far but really I've been walking on a treadmill the whole time I haven't gone anywhere this is always in my own backyard and um, you know when you cross over you just go about on a journey a thousand miles an hour and that's the journey within um, you know to your soul which is connected to the other side
0: so was it scary at all um, to experience that or you know what were your feelings when you're going through that
1: it it was horrifying. <laughs> on one level, um, it, it 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 had polarizing. Looking back on it and experiencing it, I, I see the the great polarities that it offered. I mean, yeah, you know, on one hand, I was in the angelic realm and I was, you know, seeing hundreds upon thousands of cherubim right in front of me, and I was able to see, you know, individuals' auras around me, and my two, you know, spiritual guides were the most majestic beings I've seen, but once again, you know they they are beings that I've known for many lifetimes, and they're they weren't foreign to me, but you know having our bodies shut down and suffocating you know is 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 on on the human level very traumatic and um you know I had to live with that my whole life. It's like you know the breath of air is such a phenomenon that we don't even think about, and you as a yoga instructor, I'm sure that you look at it from a different angle where you understand prana and uh, that, you know, the value of the breath and what, you know, the, you know, what the breath truly is. But, you know, once I suffocated, I really recognized how, you know, how much we take the breath for granted and how much of a gift it really is just to breathe in air and exhale air and, um, air and it's, 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 it's beautiful. But, um, you know, having an NDE makes you look at life in a different lens and just see you see all these things that people take for granted in a whole different way, you know, because all these things I could have turned down to not experience, but, you know, it's just magical and it's, it's beautiful because I chose like, once again to experience it. But, you know, having your brain, you know, when you suffocate, you know, to me what happened at least was every part of my body shut down almost like a power breaker one at a time, so... You know the most anxiety-inducing place to be in is uh, not feeling like you have control over your body, like it's out of control, but also being in suffering, which is uh, a separation from man or from who you know who we are all connected to. You know, suffering could feel very isolating. So having a brain shut down and your body shut down uh, is quite a scary road because you feel very alone in it. Within that other side. Um, you know, we live in a uh, world of polarities. In order to understand, you know, cold, you have to feel hot or vice versa. So once I was able to um, to feel the darkness, I was also able to identify what light was. And so it was, I had the greatest possible highs. I mean, the one aspect that I really took from the other side, uh, from going there again, I, you know, I've been there hundreds of times, as we all have, is that it's very, you know, heavens, or the other side, I'm sorry, is very much what you allow it to be, you know, if you don't, you see, you know, we live in a world of limited experiences, meaning if you go to, let's say, a restaurant, you'll say, you know what, I'm going to feel this good after having this kind of meal. On the other side, feelings of high or feelings of good have no limitations. You could feel as good or as happy as happy can get. There's no limitations on that because you're, you're in soul and that's unlimited to anything. So the only thing stopping you from feeling as high as possible or is going uh, as far up on the ray of God as, as you possibly can is you. Uh, the second thing is that you take yourself with you, where we know, when you cross over. So people ask me about the geological contours of the other side and how it looks and how it feels. And oftentimes, you know, I'll say, um, you know, have you ever seen a wealthy man on the north shore of Long Island, you know, in a house who's unhappy, they'll go, Yeah and I go I go, the same can exist on the other side. You know, the other side you take your soul with you and that's the ultimate uh beauty and that's not limited by, you know, anything that you're around. So if you're content with who you are and the content with the life that you lived and who you've impacted, you lived a good life and you're um, you have more of a peace of mind from the cumulative uh build up that you had within that one lifetime, you know, versus, you know, being there. And yes, you do grow and evolve, but there's always that itch to come back and not to necessarily learn, because I do believe we all learn, but to re-experience and re-remember your own truths here on the earth plane. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of why we come back. It's like that player's itch from retirement wanted to come back, you know. There's there's more to experience, Um and also, sometimes people get bored. I know I do on the other side. <laughs> as great as it is, you know, people people could get, get bored. It's almost like you're on a beach in California and you to, and you crave the mountains of Vermont. You know, <laughs> so we have to learn how to be comfortable with wherever we are. Uh, that's that's a big message of it, and grateful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's the hard part is uh, trying to be grateful for everything in life because, you know, we don't know what to expect.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, isn't there like a Zen Buddhist saying, expect the unexpected or yeah. stuff like that? So uh, very true. Within this life, we you know, I think once you have a spiritual lens to it, you know, you recognize that you, you chose it in many ways, and this is yours. You know, you chose to come here, and you crafted you know, a lot of people who don't necessarily make sense as to why they're in your circle, but it's all purposeful and meaningful and, you know, part of the process.
0: So you say um, you also uh, go ahead and help um, other people. Uh, how do you go ahead and do it and do that?
1: Well, you know, my drive to help people, you know, really came from my NDE, you know, in a sense that um, – you know, you see, when I talk about the allegory of the light at the, the end of the tunnel, you know, God has kind of mysterious ways. So you wonder why there's a light at the end of this tunnel. And to me, that you know, that really tells us that whatever we go through, there's always change and there's always good, no matter what we go through. And um, I oftentimes ask myself as to why I particularly had an NDE, uh, really it was my karmic lesson Because once I was able to look at my Akashic records I saw one lifetime that I lived within the Bermuda Triangle in Atlantis That was very clear In my last lifetime, you know, I was uh, a teacher of many And I had what's called the great Uberus, Where I had kind of like a sink from, uh, you know, success Or, you know, fall from grace And I didn't see past the moment And my suffering that I had was all that I saw And I took my own life so having an NDE really inspired me to, you know what, to help people to see whatever you're going through at this moment, if it's a traffic jam, if it's relationship crisis, if it's uncertainty about your career, uh, we get very stuck uh, in the moment. And, and part of being spiritually, emotionally, psychologically evolved is to understand that this too shall pass and uh, to trust in the process while not always having – all the answers which to me is what faith is all about at the core of it so to me i really wanted to help people out well people really help themselves out but i wanted to be a facilitator of that message which you know whatever you're going through in the here and now could always change you just have to put a little bit of elbow grease in while also uh trust the process that you have a grander plan at hand and what some people view as suffering, others could also view as an awakening or enlightenment or a wake-up call to change your path. You know, A child wouldn't move his hand from a stove if it wasn't hot. So sometimes we need uh, tragedy to shape us and to allow us to, to move in a different direction in life. Um, and it's all part of the evolution uh, of our planet. Uh, but that, to me, was my drive. Um, so I work, you know, as, as I know you mentioned, as, as a full-time therapist. But that's 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 a you know small part of my work. Uh, uh, but I also work, you know, as a hypnotherapist, a Reiki master, and I run meditation classes for colleges and organizations and libraries. So uh, that's that's good too. Yeah.
0: So how long have you been doing Reiki?
1: Well, I was drawn to Reiki because um, at 18 years old, I practiced a uh, a Taoist, you know, almost Korean. It was based in, started in Seoul, Korea. Um, it was a type of yoga practice that I started and It taught me an immense amount of information that I really incorporated in my life. And so Reiki, you know, was was, was kind of along those same lines. You know, started by Dr uh the Kawasui in Japan and I was very drawn to you know the east and you know their approaches towards healing and uh, energy and you know Reiki was very similar to a lot of the uh, yoga and tai chi that I was practicing for years you know as 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 a late teen uh, but you know I had um, a psychic that I went to and she was also a Reiki master and she was you know doing some of the symbols such as Chokurei and Seheiki and Hanjusaisen and you know all these others, and I was just fascinated by it, and I felt a profound shift within my own energetic field. And I was able to work with uh, you know this this healer, and um, I became well. I studied Reiki under Tiffany as well, and I became an Atlantean Reiki master. And I'm um, you know I'm also an A.R.T. usui uh, you know practitioner, and I'm getting my uh, usui master soon. So I'm I'm going to be Atlantean and Reiki uh, Atlantean and usui shortly. Uh, hopefully over the summertime. So, but to me, Reiki was, you know, so healing within my own personal life. I, you know, Having an NDE, you have a lot of trauma. And uh, so I grew up with a lot of anxiety. I was on psychiatric medications for a long period of time. And I dealt with therapists for God knows how long. So Reiki was an alternative approach to handling stress and managing my own energetic centers. And it was very practical and simple. And uh, I'm very thankful for, uh, you know, the the work of Dr. Osui and Miss Takata and, uh, you know, you know, you know, people like William Rand and all other Reiki practitioners who have, you know, created it to be mainstream practice. But uh, it's something that really helped me out, and you know, I'm and I and I'm glad that I'm able to share it with with others. It's, I mean, look, we need all the help we can get and all the tools available. So you know, thank God that it's mainstream and it's becoming popular in hospitals and colleges. And, you know, they even have a code red in a certain hospital. I forget where, where, you know, if a nurse or a a practitioner within that hospital is going through a stressful time, they have a holistic, you know, practitioner is able to, you know, practice some Reiki or, you know, EFT or, you know, a couple other stuff within um, you know, this this hospital. I forget the name of the hospital, but that's pretty cool. I'd be calling Code Red all the time if that were the case in my clinic, but, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, you know, I like that idea that, you know, the hospitals are um, having somebody on staff that can help with, with Reiki, and it's just a shame that more hospitals aren't doing that because um, it, it can work oh, sure. some amazing, amazing things.
1: Well, we have to think about if you're giving you know how you're supposed to give without being fully balanced, so having an intelligence to understand uh, how Reiki works and that it's an intelligence and that it goes where it needs to go while also being in tune with your aura and your, your energetic field and your energy centers is you know allows you to really you know take life to a whole new level and you know really can allow your patients to to be helped in a totally different way and see a new and different use. So, you know, for listeners out there who aren't so familiar with Reiki, check it out. It's, it's fascinating. And, you know, it's just growing and growing. It's, it's, you know, and and we're so thankful to be living in this age of information where, you know, everything's kind of out there now.
0: Yeah. I've been doing, um, Reiki for many years and I've used it on, um, my previous partner, when he had uh, a skin cancer, and was able to yeah. actually feel it as it was shrinking,
1: and oh, the doctor was wow. like, you
0: know, was totally amazed. But his his nurse practitioner was um, was a Reiki uh, practitioner as well, and she's like, oh, you do Reiki on him? I said, yeah. And he was okay. I don't understand it. He says, but um, you know, I need to learn more about it. So he, yeah. he was uh, you know a little blown away, and and it's uh, it can work some miracles on people.
1: Absolutely, you know, and that's why I recommend people to read about it because on an intellectual level, once you kind of understand what it is, and the rest is up to you. If you're open to it, it will go where it needs to go. It's it's an intelligent practice, and you know, you know, healing has started long before Dr. Usui, as we know, you know, it had its origins in Atlantis and stuff like that. But on his, I think it was his 21-day kind of fast in the mountains of uh, Japan, he. Was able to you know find a lot of clarity on the symbols and how they worked, and it's just fascinating. So the most important experiential reality is to very is to simply experience it. So it's glad, um, I, you know, it's it's wonderful that you're able to, you know, practice this. And someone who you know who is who's you know going through a medical you know setback, and you're right, it's really used in all different types of cases. I know my Reiki practitioner was having a lot of uh, after effects from, uh, you know, her oral surgery, and she was able to use a lot of the self-healing positions on her mouth, and it was fascinating, and that inspired her to really grow her work. And uh, she's a wonderful healer today, and she taught me. So, uh, you know, through bodily pain and through looking outside of the box, we can not only help ourselves, but it's, you know, it's, with, it's after that, it's, 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 it's our kind of uh, – you know, job to make something out of it, and that's that's our choice, <laughs> uh, but whoever we may impact it, whether that be a million, would that be one or two, you know, help is help, and you never know the effects of the, that pebble or that rock that you put into the water, <laughs> you know, so.
0: Yeah, and um, like I said, I, I've started doing it for quite a few years, and it is amazing, and I had an elderly couple one time, and they're like, oh, you do Reiki, and I'm like, you know, just look a little surprised. And um, I said, well, yeah. And, you know, I had a uh, spiritual booth, metaphysical booth over at a flea market. Hmm. So I said, yeah, so I can do Reiki for you. So I went ahead and did Reiki. And the wife's like, uh, you know, was doing it on her husband, on his lower back. They had always gone in for Reiki treatments um, to help whenever his back was feeling sore and stiff. And, you know, she asked me, she goes, hmm you know, are you doing anything different than others? I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, your hands are vibrating. Mm. And I said, mm. you know, I'm looking at my hands. I'm like, I don't see them vibrating. And uh, my partner at the time, he looked over, he goes, yeah, your hands are shaking. And mm. I guess by channeling the energy, you know, my hands were actually doing a little bit of a vibration to heal it. And he said he was able to feel it, but I, I couldn't see anything.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Mark Wahlberg had a song, I think, in the '90s. I think it was called "Good Vibrations" or something like that. And the Beach Boys mm-hmm. as well, you know. So within yes. pop culture and music, you know, you know, we're we're tuning into something. But you know, I, you know, within my known NDE, um, you know, not only was I going, you know, down the tunnel at some insane speed, but I was also, you know, vibrating about a thousand miles an hour. So. You know, spiritual vibrations are, are are real, and everything has their own vibration. And, you know, the faster and and quicker the frequency, you know, the more closer you are to, uh, you know, the ray of God or, you know, the other side. But, you know, the one factor, you know, separating us from really understanding this is, is our brain, um, which is our greatest ally or, you know, what could be our greatest destructive force, you know, because once my brain shut down, that's when... I was able to, you know, enter the other side once it kind of snapped in half. So to me, that's where my other piece came into play within hypnosis and uh, mindfulness was how to really maximize the brain and how to really allow the brain to be a filter between the two worlds, uh, between the other side and between the physical plane. And, you know, learning tools to really maximize uh, our brain. Um, You know, as a kid, I was inspired by the work of, he's a famous psychiatrist uh, his name is Doctor Daniel A. Main. I don't know if you have you ever heard of Doctor Amen. No. So he he runs the Amen Clinic and he's all over the place. But anywho, he he um he does brain scans uh, for you know people who have committed crimes or for let's say retired players in the NFL, and he scans the brains of actually you know you know, people who are let's say alcoholics or people who are drinking you know, eating sugar and stuff like that and he's found, you know, that actually um, you know, it's it's proven that you could back up a lot of dysfunctions within the brain that impact our own decision making. So when we say that everyone has an equal playing field, you know, that's, you know, false, you know, because, you know, through uh you know, through brain scans you're able to really understand that through um genetics or epigenetical factors or you know socioeconomic um living situations there's certain advantages and disadvantages that come with the brain uh you know that it, that's our ultimate g p s systems to the life that we 're about to live so you know i've learned um that you know that meditation really allows the brain to be a lot more relaxed and to be more balanced and a stressful brain you know actually has proven to look a lot different than one who's a lot more composed. And, you know, there's a term airhead in our society and that's true with, you know, people who drink sugar, people who drink, you know, alcohol or do drugs or marijuana or uh, don't cope well It's depression or stress. They're actually proven to have, you know, brains that look like Swiss cheese versus others who are able to heal the brain, heal themselves and the brains are a lot fuller and more developed. So, uh, for me, I've been very inspired to help out uh, people's brains and people's lives and meditation exercise eating healthy is, is one way to go about it so yeah, that's another work of mine but you know I'm very fascinated in you know the science of the brain for my own NDE because literally once my brain shut down that's when everything opened up and uh, you know as a kid when I was crossing over I was able to see every you know different functionality of my brain uh you know it was fascinating because I was in the 85 percent that we don't uh activate usually so um you know, we try to understand the brain with our brain uh so you know, really to understand our brains we may have to go into a higher energetic frequency uh to fully get it while also uh doing the you know work of analytics and stuff like that but sure
0: so um you were saying about uh mindfulness what um what do you mean by mindfulness for somebody who's not used to the term
1: yeah, you know the the term is thrown out so loosely. It's almost like a pop culture term. You go into a stop and shop here in the U.S. It's like you have magazines that say mindfulness on it, and uh, it's the number one question that I'm asked within my workshops and you know private you know sessions. What what is what is mindfulness? And everyone's trying to fully you know kind of understand. Um, you know, if I were to have to explain that term. Um, to my best abilities, uh, I always look at the uh terminologies within the polarities of mindfulness and when I think of mindlessness you know that 's you know you think of the net, you know the opposite polarity of it what does mindlessness mean that means that a someone 's inattentive to what they 're doing they 're not paying attention they 're not focused they 're disconnected they 're scattered so if you 're less then all of a sudden you 're for full that 's the opposite that means that you are aware that you're in tune, that you're present, um, that you're composed. Um, you know, so to me, that's what mindfulness is about. And I know it's a old, you know, Zen uh, Buddhist kind of principle that's become mainstreamed and out there, but it's nothing new. It's, it's uh, you know, it's very ancient, in fact. You know, so to me, um, where I come from, you know, what actually drew me to to mindfulness was one day I was sitting at, uh, well, I grew up Jewish Orthodox, and I was sitting at uh, you know, my Passover Seder table, and all of a sudden, there was a guest who I haven't seen in my home before, and he walked into my table, and he had a Los Angeles Lakers championship ring on, and I, I just wondered, who was this guy? He was a friend of the family, whatever, and I asked him, who, who are you? You have a Los Angeles Lakers championship ring on, what's your name? And he told me that his name was uh, George Mumford. And he said, did you know who Phil Jackson is? I go, yes. Phil is the coach of the Lakers at the time. And you know, he coached Michael Jordan in the Chicago Bulls. And he says, well, read one of Phil's books. He'll always mention me in it because I'm the sports psychologist for the Boston Celtics and the Yellow LA Lakers. And if you know a little bit about Phil Jackson, he used Sage and, uh, he, you know, he had Native American ties, and he believed in uh, players kind of transcending ego to be a part of the team. So he would use unconventional techniques such as shutting off the lights in, in practice and having players communicate telepathically uh, because, you know, he was kind of put into situations where uh, he had to coach Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal, all these players with big-time egos who oftentimes would see themselves as separate as a team. So his job was to try to integrate the star into being a part of the greater whole and connected and recognizing its its part within the pecking order uh, It's kind of what was based off of Kipling's the Jungle uh, that he kind of implemented within his uh you know teachings uh so after hearing that as a young guy, I looked up george and i I saw that he was very much involved in mindfulness, and that's what Phil kind of used. Because the NBA is so fast-paced, so to slow the game down and to be, you know, attuned to your teammates and the floor and the moment uh, allows you to, you know, be in control and to be composed as a basketball player. And if you could do that as an athlete, we can certainly do that uh, in all of our walks of life. So it's it, to me, it's a way of slowing things down and uh, being present and being aware and recognizing. You know your thoughts and re- your reactions, and to me, mindfulness you know works out of a stimuli response dynamic where you have something that occurs within your own life um you know you do you have a- you know you have a client who you'd let, let's say, and they act a certain way, and that's not in your control and mindfulness allows you to have that pause and that gap within your own reaction, and the greater the gap between the stimuli and the response in your own response, the more mindful you are. You know, when we're matching our stimuli, that's when we're reactive versus proactive uh, emotionally, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, hello. um you know, I've noticed a lot of times for me, my mind goes a million and one different directions, and it's hard for me to meditate sometimes. Uh, mm. how, what would you suggest to um, someone else like myself you know, because I've heard of that from other people. Like, well, you know, you know, what do I do? How do I quiet my mind? For me, you know, I'll take crystals and try to focus on them to try to silence the mind. And you know, there's different techniques for me. But yeah, my mind's always racing. So, how would you help yeah. somebody to uh, to meditate?
1: Well, what you're describing, you know, is is what we all know as the monkey mind. And um, what I have to say is, what you're describing is mindfulness. You know, because you're you're attuned to the fact that your mind is racing a thousand miles an hour. You know, people who aren't mindful don't take that first step and they're not aware of their mind. And for you to see that point allows a separation between your mind and you. That's what kind of mindfulness is about. So right then and there, that snippet of information was a mindful practice. Um, what I have to say is that, you know, mindfulness... Uh, you think about the roots of Zen Buddhism; it's it's peaceful and, and it's, it's about acceptance. Um, so you know, mindfulness is very much about acceptance. So you know, you have the mind, and that's usually is bound to go a thousand miles an hour. You know, the question is, is if you want to formulate attachments to those thoughts, do you want to be at the slave of many of those thoughts, or do you want to dictate your own focus? Um, you know, so a lot of it is recognizing the fact and accepting the fact that your mind may go a thousand miles an hour. That's that's our nature, and there's certainly ways to get into the deeper, uh, you know, more relaxed uh, brainwave states. We have four major ones, and meditation can certainly help you to do that. But being aware of that and practicing meditation, while also not trying to fight it, you know, accepting it and redirecting your attention towards you know the moment. I think people get in trouble when they allow themselves to be attached to every thought that's going on, without taking that moment of pause and just try to redirect your focus. And eventually, once you're redirecting your focus, your brain waves will kind of slow down and you know be more you know, kind of balanced. Um, that's you know my you know experience and with clients that I've worked with, that's you know that's that's kind of been helpful. You know, the analogy that I use, you know, that meditation is kind of, is, is, you know, if you have Christmas time and you just take a snow globe and you shake it up and eventually you allow the particles to slow down, you know, that's the kind of way that I run my meditation groups is in order for us to kind of allow the particles of our brain and for the brain to kind of loosen up and open up, you know, you need a little bit of a shake-up. So having some kind of um You know, some kind of movement or brainwave vibration exercise that you could use is good. Exercise, you know, is good beforehand too. And just getting yourself in that moving state, just allowing yourself after that to allow the particles to move down. Uh, That's for me what's best work. Uh, But you know, everyone has a different outlook on it, and no one way is better than the other. It's kind of what uh, what you're called to do, and what. Uh, you feel is most helpful. Again, it's about intention. It's about helping, not about being right or wrong, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's part of the uh, drawback of having the monkey brain. You're always wondering if you're doing things right or wrong, and then you know, you're going in a million and one different directions.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, our society has kind of like a black or white type ideal where this is the best way, this is the right way, this is the way. Look, if it works, it works. <laughs> you know, so... Many different, um, you know, colors on the rainbow, but there's only one light, you know, and there's only one source. So there's so many different avenues to do it, but uh, it's all connecting to that one light. And, uh, you know, Reiki is one avenue, uh, mindfulness meditation is another. And, you know, as a hypnosis practitioner, I've also seen that that is certainly another way. It's a little bit different, though, than, than mindfulness, you know, from my experience. I always thought the two were kind of similar, but uh, I see them as different, you know, certainly. Yeah.
0: And um, speaking about hypnosis, so many people, you know, I've heard them, they're like, oh, I'm kind of scared of that, and, you know, they can make you do things that you don't want to do. Um, tell everyone a little bit about um, hypnosis for, you know, people who are curious.
1: Yeah, well, not sure people my age are so into hypnosis, but you don't know they're out there. <laughs> but um, I've I've been to I've been fascinated by hypnosis since a young boy. My grandfather, you know, told me that he went to you know city college and he had a professor who hypnotized the whole class. And as a young guy, I was fascinated by that. Um, and um, you know, he my grandfather loved hypnosis, and for me that was something that I was exposed to at a young early age and I was kind of wondering what that was and you know growing up my father was a hypnotherapist in addition to being a social worker and a therapist and he studied in Boston where you know hypnosis you know that's a big you know kind of uh, portal of hypnosis in the United States uh you know it's where the National Guild is based um with uh you know it's, it's president Dwight Damon but anywho you know hypnosis has its origins in ancient Egypt it goes very far back it, you know you know it 's not started by you know a lot of people think it 's started by people like uh Eric, you know Erickson and Freud and you know all those people practice it and all the major psychotherapists, the founding fathers of psychotherapy in America today around the world today you know practice it but it it goes way back to ancient egypt, fascinating but um you know hypnosis is uh, geared towards change, geared towards your goals um, so you mentioned what will happen um will I lose control uh, within hypnosis? No, actually, hypnosis allows you to have the most empowered life that you seek to have. Um, So you wouldn't do anything without wanting to do it. Uh, So hypnosis is all about the power of suggestibility. So we don't do things that we don't want to do. So whatever you want to resist will persist, and whatever you want to uh, let go of uh, and uh, change will happen. So like I said, the mind is our ultimate uh, GPS. It's our ultimate tool towards the life that we want to live. So if you want to change and want to let go, then hypnosis may be right for you. Uh, if you want to hold on to, you know, patterns, that's okay, you know. Uh, if that keeps you safe, that's that's okay. But uh, hypnosis, you know, usually requires people to get a little bit out of their comfort zone um, it's usually the last stop after everyone's tried everything from psychiatry to uh, talking to therapists and all this other stuff. So it's usually that last stop uh, you know, that people do to, to change uh, an area in their
0: life. Uh, and um, you said you've got some clients, so you do one-on-one sessions, group sessions?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I do both, uh, to answer your question. Okay. I, I recently did... An event at, at uh, Adelphi University, my alma mater. Um, uh, I did uh, well a couple weeks ago. I did uh, an event for the Breast Cancer uh, Society Hotline and Support Group. We had a totally packed house, uh, and I did a mindfulness meditation. Uh, we could talk about it if you, if you, if your listeners may be interested. But I did a program called uh, Hypnosis for Academic Success, um, and. Uh, You know, I'm going to be hopefully coming back there uh, for the fall semester that's in the works. But that was a fascinating program. You know, um, as a student, um, you know, I I grew up, you know, struggling academically. You know, particularly after having an NDE, I was able to focus properly. And um, I wasn't able to really tune into my own sense of inner confidence. You know, so academia, uh, much like any any other thing, is, is about, you know, if you have confidence, what's called self-efficacy, if you believe in your own power, you're going to put yourself out there. You're going to try. A lot of it is about self-esteem uh, and, and building your own self-confidence, and you know, seeing it, believing it, and experiencing it. So, hypnosis, you know, is right for you know a lot of people who are just not getting that edge uh, to those areas in life that they want to uh, to, to be in, and they want that next kind of step, or they just don't feel that they're, you know, getting the results that they necessarily want. So it allows you to kind of explore what, what are the missing gaps. And it's usually, you know, from, uh, you know, it kind of takes an empowered kind of approach where it allows people to kind of build themselves up and see that, hey, you know, I could be this, you know, student who has a uh, relaxed mind, relaxed body, who has good study habits, who Puts myself out there. You know, a lot of people don't put themselves out there. You know, because of a defense mechanism of fear of failure. You know, hypnosis allows you to recognize that. To say, hey, it could be this, and it gives you the light at the end of the tunnel. And once you have that vision, the next step is uh, believing it, and the next step is doing the work to to get to that light. Uh, so that's uh, you know the place where I come from. But yeah, you know, I do hypnosis for private private clients, um, and as well as presentation, and it's you know it's fascinating. Uh, but ultimately, I was drawn to it mostly from the work of people like Dr. Brian Weiss, who uh, does past life regressions, and the late Sylvia Brown, who people think of as a psychic medium, but she was also hypnotherapist, a hypnothera- past life regressionist as well. And to see the profound unexplained traumas and uh, anxieties or outlooks that weren't explained within this one lifetime, and they were found to be uh, rooted within. Maybe several lifetimes back on a per- person's life, real. So it's, it's fascinating what's out there and what could be helped, what could be helpful to people. Um, so uh, it's it's a wonderful practice, and I'm so honored and glad to uh, call myself a hypnotherapist today.
0: <laughs> cool. And how can everybody, um, you know, any of the listeners reach you if they want to, you know, find out more information on a one on one session or a group session with you?
1: Yeah. You know, I do do uh, phone sessions if people are interested for hypnosis or uh, mindfulness, you know, guided mindfulness sessions. Uh, but if people are interested in, uh, you know, finding me and contacting me, I could be reached. Uh, you could find me actually on my website at www jacobstory.com. It's J-A-C-O-B-S-T-O-R-Y.com. And there you could check out a list of services as well as upcoming events. Um, You can also listen to this radio show in uh, my archive section on my radio uh, page. And you could also listen to some of my television shows and radio programs that, you know, also, you know, go into a bit more depth of, my n d e um, also you know news newspaper articles have been up there and uh, stuff like that, so um, you know you could listen to you know a bit more of a detailed uh, uh journey in my n d e It's kind of hard to do on a radio show because it's a bit long. My talks on my n d e average about a, an hour to an hour and a half so um you know but uh yeah absolutely that's how you you know and there's also a contact button if you're interested in sending me an email we you know that's how we kind of touch base. Um, that's how people
0: could uh, find me. Well, good. We'll we'll definitely have to have you back on and, um, you know, talk uh, uh, more about your near-death experience and all. And um, I personally have not experienced one, but as a psychic medium, I've um, connected with the other side, communicated with spirits there, and um, met um, spirit guides, met angels there, saw the Hall of Records, and it was a fascinating experience
1: fascinating yes yes and you know it makes it makes us and survivors and spiritual inclined people that much more comfortable and connected to understand that uh you know there's this grid that we're all kind of connecting to and similar experiences you know it, it allows us to feel a lot more comfortable and what's to come. And I think, you know, the more answers that you give to people in terms of what happens when we die, there's a lot more of a sense of comfort within this own immune, human experience. But also, you know, feeling a sense of, you know, almost like a deja vu like sensation, like, wow, you know, whatever you're discussing it there's a part of me that's that's kind of familiar. Um, you know, the other side to me is just something that we always kinda of look back on and remember while, you know, moving forward on this path you know, so we come from it, and we go to it, and we walk forward, and we're going towards the light, too, and the light is always within. So, you know, when, when people are ready, they'll open up, and they'll re-remember, you know, a couple of uh, aspects of their life that they have forgotten, and, you know, you just have to kind of dust off those gems that are right there in front of you in your own backyard. And, you know, once you kind of do that, the life experience becomes a little bit more rich and fuller and more sensible
0: right well we're just about out of time I want to thank you for joining me tonight and like I said we'll definitely have to have you back on and uh, hopefully I won't have the technical issues so we can um, get you on here and learn more about the near death experiences and help people understand what it's like on the other side
1: absolutely thank you so much and it was such an honor to be here uh, with you on your wonderful program and uh, you know I know we'll touch base within the community and I look forward to coming back. Thank you, Michael. Really appreciate it.
0: You're very welcome. Well you have yourself a great evening and I'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you. Be well.
1: Thank you. Um, bye. Okay. Bye.
0: Uh don't forget everybody check out his website, Jacobstory dot com, to find out more information. And um, you know, sorry about having the technical issues, but um, you know, it is what it is. That's why I've been doing the tests and as you can tell, even with the testing that I have been doing, still have the little technical issues every once in a while. So I'm trying to get that all worked out. Um, you know, there may be other times, uh, I've got some guests coming up who will be joining me on video. So you will see a split screen with me and the guest on here. So that's going to be really nice and interesting for that. And, um, know, I'm working on another switchboard, so when we do have guests, I'll be posting that information. But if you go ahead and go to the website, uh, our new website, which is be the now.com you can go ahead and you will find a calendar of events on there. You will also find the call-in numbers and... For all of you who have been wondering about it, we do have the apps coming. We have it for Android and we have it for iPhone. iPhone takes about two to three weeks. Android should be in a couple more days, I hope. What you'll be able to do is, with that is download it onto your smartphone or tablet or whatever else you want to do it. And if you click on Call in Numbers... Being extra on a smartphone, it will automatically highlight. We have 61 phone numbers, which will be from different countries around the world. So if you're in the United States, you call this one access number, Costa Rica, one access number, um, Canada, all these other countries as well. And what it will do is I programmed it. You'll be like, what is all this long number? Well, our switchboard needs an access number. So I programmed it into the phone to where it will automatically dial um, the access code for you. So you can tune in from your phone anywhere, not have to worry about logging into Blog Talk Radio or any other website. And if you have uh, Internet Explorer, you know, something going on on the phone, you can tune in via Facebook Live. But by doing the website this way with the app, you get to go ahead and tune in and join in uh, from the comfort of your, you know, your phone, wherever you're at. So lots of great things going on. So check out be now.com for the latest information, and also on Facebook Live. And do us a favor, share the website, share the Facebook page, share the videos, because if we're able to help you, hopefully we can help somebody else. So until later on, everybody, have fun, be good, and know that you are loved, because I love you, and I'm glad you're tuning in for the all-new shows. Until next time, everyone, good night from Costa Rica.